Have you ever heard of the children's book called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie? It's a delightful tale if you're unfamiliar with the story. You see, it starts off just as the title states, and if you give a mouse a cookie, it's going to want a glass of milk. When you give him the milk, he'll probably ask you for a straw. When he's finished, he'll ask you for a napkin. And I think you can visualize that the reader is taken further and further down a spiraling story that continues with a mirror, scissors, broom, bed, crayons, picture drawing, which leads up to the desire for scotch tape to hang that picture on a refrigerator, which brings the story full circle when the mouse becomes thirsty once again and wants another glass of milk. And if the mouse wants a glass of milk, it will want a cookie to go with it. We're going to discuss how this illustrative picture book published back in 1985 is strangely connected to the way we construct our own lifestyles. Today on Finn Wisdom. Hello, I'm your host Joel, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Finn Wisdom. And the title of our conversation today is Life is Short, But Don't Shortchange Your Lifestyle. And from the introductory teaser and the title, you might be wondering how this is all going to relate to behavioral risks and financial decision making. I can assure you, we'll get there. So let's start with an innocent enough question. Have you formulated a list of resolutions for the new year or ever created such a list in the past? And I think creating resolutions is very admirable. It shows that you seek self-improvement and growth and purpose and a desire for achievement in your life. And according to various studies, there always seems to be a few that top the list for most people. And they are getting into shape, eat healthier, lose weight, get organized, quit a vice such as smoking, improve knowledge through more education, or maybe it's purchasing a new home, improve productivity and self-awareness, living more sustainable, and of course, the one near and dear to my heart, bettering your finances. But here's the thing. Most studies show by month six, two-thirds of the American people abandon their resolutions. And I would argue the primary reason for this is because although these are possibly worthy pursuits and you're creating purpose-driven goals, it is behavior, the commitment that drives those resolutions. And in many cases, we are asking ourselves to change or adapt behavior. And even if you want to change, it's really hard to do. And if you personally have attempted to stick to your New Year's resolutions, you know how hard this really is. And changing behavior is all about our emotions. There's another coinciding point to make. It's about one common theme, one overarching connector to the resolutions we make annually, and that's changes to our lifestyle. Regardless of the endeavor, if it relates to changing lifestyle, it often impacts your money management and the financial decisions you make in life. And the behaviors associated with those life events and alterations must be aligned with your behavioral style and your financial wellness. The question to ask yourself is, what lifestyle sustaining income do I require 
to satisfy the needs and wants I envision. And we're going to talk in great detail about how you can analyze your own lifestyle sustaining situation right after this brief sponsor message. I hope you're enjoying this special bonus episode of Finn Wisdom and that over the course of three seasons, you're learning more about biases and behavioral variability that impacts your financial decision making. But what about the judgment every day within your own organization? Think about how time, resources, and money are getting dedicated based on important decisions among your company leaders that will determine the future fate of your firm. Fortunately, there's help to reduce behavioral variability, and that's with DNA Behavior International. DNA Behavior offers an all-in-one behavioral tech platform that recognizes every interaction is an opportunity to adapt behaviors among employees and your customers. To improve your organization's ability to communicate, increase its probability of success, and to improve client engagement, DNA Behavior offers integrated tools that can help reduce noise and improve your organization's ability to communicate, increase its probability of success, and to improve client engagement. Visit dnabehavior.com to learn how their proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. Let's continue that conversation we were having before the break. So why is thinking in terms of a lifestyle-sustaining income such a big deal? First off, I think we ignore it. You can hear it in our inner thoughts and socializations. When it comes to our desires, we often speak in terms of, I need this, and I want that, and I want to do this, and I want to own that. As though we have limitless financial resources, but we don't. And if you succumb to this line of thinking, it makes it extremely hard to achieve any one goal. More often than not, we should consider replacing the conjunction and with the word or. I need this or I want that, as an example. Like a twist on an old saying, you can pursue anything you want in life, but you cannot pursue everything without repercussions. As a personal illustration, I remember a time earlier in my career, living in a beautiful community north of New York City, and I was one of those working on Wall Street, as they say. So every early morning, I would get to the train platform and stand with others who were commuting to the Big Apple, following their own professional pursuits as I was. And after a while, I became very friendly with this fellow commuter. His name was Jack. And you could tell that Jack was further along in his career than I was. And so was his respected paycheck, of course. But here's the interesting thing. Over time, in comparing life notes, I began to realize that there was quite the wealth gap. I was making maybe $100,000 a year, and Jack was making $1 million a year. And yet, we were both a paycheck away from going broke. We were both failing at establishing a lifestyle-sustaining income. 
So the point of the story is it doesn't matter how much you make, it's about your ability to establish an affordable and attainable plan to achieve your goals. The growing wealth gap that impacts all walks of life. See, we tend to assume that if you make a great deal of money, you have established an ideal financial situation. The purpose of this illustration is to convey that making more money does not necessarily equate to financial wellness. And money has only two purposes. One, to buy stuff. And two, to make more money with it. Anything left over, well, that's legacy. That's it. You have these two levers at your disposal to manage your money. Think about a budget or a financial plan. They help to satisfy your needs, wants, and the unexpected. But at the end of the day, your behavioral style is tethered to and what defines your lifestyle. Now, over the course of three seasons of Finn Wisdom, and more to follow, we have discussed biases and behavioral variability that influence your judgments and money management. But it's equally critical to establish what is an acceptable lifestyle, and that lifestyle is highly susceptible to your emotions. And why I felt compelled to create this bonus podcast. It's why you have often heard me say that the media and sources of financial advice may be asking the wrong question when you hear how do you take the emotions out of your financial decision making. It's how do you accommodate them. Because folks, emotions are the building blocks of your personal preferences in life and your goals are often aligned to them. Which brings me back to the idea of New Year's resolutions. There's something else interesting about the most common resolutions. They're interconnected. And one in particular I'd like to hone in on, and that's getting organized. I think that ought to be a prerequisite before tackling anything else. Because just like any goal you establish, you need a plan and you need to get organized to create a plan. Which got me thinking about the next part of today's story. Are you familiar with the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing? Yes, I'm talking about the craze that was started by Marie Kondo in the years just before the pandemic. I believe over 10 million copies of her book have sold to date, and even I picked up a copy because who couldn't use a little more feng shui in their home or at the office? And I have to admit, I was very skeptical, and some of the learning lessons are self-evident. But just like anything we wish to improve upon, it sometimes helps to look through the problem with a different lens. What astonished me was the learning lessons that Kondo provides are applicable to addressing behavioral risks we face in decision-making and an opportunity to improve one's lifestyle-sustaining income. For example, one of the first teachings is that people cannot change their habits without first changing their thinking. And the concept behind tidying up, decluttering, and organizing are not a final destination but useful tools to keep you on course. Just as you re-examine your budget or financial plans on an ongoing basis and realign them. And maybe that's just it too. We often review expenses, life events, and the unexpected. 
but perhaps we don't give enough thought to changes in lifestyles. And this led me to another book of relatable interest. The title of this book is Essentialism. It was written by Greg McKeown. Possibly not as popular as the life-changing magic of tidying up, but nevertheless, another bestseller that has sold millions of copies. And why I gravitate to the concepts of essentialism is the advocacy to trim your life processes. No, I say processes versus stuff. That's because life is not just about stuff. It's about experiences too. Think about your desires beyond that new car, new home, new gadget, new garment, such as wanting to travel more, entertainment, hobbies, giving back to family or a good cause. And here's the really cool thing, well, at least to someone nerdy like me, is there's this connection to behavioral economics. Because just as biases and behavioral variability, or noise, are impacting your judgments, so too are they impacting your chosen lifestyle, which in turn influence your money management. And you've heard me say that creating wealth starts with financial health. And in order to build wealth, you need to be aware of biases and filter through the noise. Tying all this back to resolutions, we often create goals relating to what we want to stop doing, achieve greater materiality, or we're seeking to master a new skill. But ideally, a better mindset when choosing a path to achieve those goals is to hit the pause button and ask if you are investing your time and money in the most effective activities that are aligned to your behavioral style and desired lifestyle. So let's dedicate time to talking about several considerations you can take to establish your own lifestyle sustaining income right after this brief message. If all this discussion around this newer concept in behavioral economics is making you realize that noise is impacting the judgment in your workplace, and you're wondering how you can introduce this concept to your leadership and sales force, well then let me share with you a little insight. In conjunction with DNA Behavior, a new two-day workshop around behavioral variability is going to be kicking off in the very near future. In this workshop, will help your most influential leaders in your organization understand what it is, why it matters, how it influences judgments, and help you conduct your own noise audit, which helps reduce the impact of behavioral variability and potentially improve critical decisions made enterprise-wide. So if you're interested to learn more, visit finwisdom.com and drop me a note and let me know that you'd like to learn more about this behavioral variability workshop. Welcome back again. And before we talk tips, it's important to preface that while I found inspiration in the books mentioned earlier, you may find your own inspiration through other sources. But as I also mentioned, Sometimes it's just hearing similar advice through different perspectives. And the reason I mention both Kondo's and McKeown's books is the amazing synergy they have in terms of advice and how ironically they tie into financial wellness and addressing behavioral risks to managing money, whether it was even part of their author's intent. 
And before I continue, I just want to make recognition that establishing a lifestyle sustaining income is part of a comprehensive process. And I'm sure you already do quite a bit of financial planning. What we're talking about here is your emotional needs and wants as they connect to those desires. And with any financial planning, whether you're self-managing it or working with a professional, you may have um, differences in approaches to what I'm about to discuss. So please keep an open mind and keep in mind, my goal is not to give financial advice, rather tips on helping you understand and address behaviors that impact your judgments so you can potentially improve your chances of achieving your goals. Here are a few learning lessons associated with getting organized in order to reveal your own lifestyle sustaining income. And by the way, I've used that phrase probably now a dozen or more times. And in essence, it emphasizes not living beyond your means and understanding the means necessary to support your emotional desires. So without further ado, number one, remove the clutter. It's an exercise to re-examine those needs and determine if they are truly essential. There's this famous German industrial designer of consumer products named Dieter Rams. He is known to embody the concept of less is better. And Rams was all about the simple things in life by finding simplicity in everyday objects and activities. And if you wish to remove the clutter in your life, align with your behavior, and design a lifestyle-sustaining income, some of his principles may help. And they include thinking out of the box and to be innovative with your approach. Next, ask yourself the level of usefulness that a given need or want brings to your life. Also, what is the aesthetic value? So in other words, what is the human experience associated with your desires? Does the need or want support a level of fulfillment in your life that once you achieve it, you will not need something else to enhance it? Think back to the beginning of our story today in the book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, and we're going to get back to that more in detail shortly. Next, define the purpose and the commitment that's needed to those things you want. And this goes back to establishing viable resolutions. Next is you need to be honest with yourself. As mentioned earlier, you can pursue anything, but you cannot have everything. And then you need to ask yourself, does it bring long-lasting joy? If you were to infuse a bit of Kondo's ideas, I would say don't just seek out what gives you feelings of joy today. Rather, what needs and wants in your life bring continuous joy. You will be surprised how many material goods become less of a priority. And if you truly want something, then it needs to be part of a plan. There needs to be a tentative path that leads to obtaining that need or want. And is it something sustainable? This connects with some of the other points in terms of once you have it, can you keep it? Does it continue to maintain a level of satisfaction in your life? The last point I'd like to make under this first tip is don't make it complicated. I don't know if anyone out there is a loyal Starbucks drinker. And if you're like me and 
you are a loyalty member, you surely receive communications taunting and tempting you to purchase items for a limited time to get some Starbucks points that add to your bounce for free drinks, meals, and other stuff. And I'm also a sucker for gamification too. So if you throw in a top of it something like uh, game pieces or badges, I'm all in. How complicated did I make my life dedicating time and money to get a few points to get something, quote, free? And it's not the best use of resources, nor is it when you choose to pursue needs and wants that are equally complicated. So let's go down the next basic principle toward lifestyle sustaining income. Number two, it's hard to say no. So learn how to say yes. In McKeown's and Condos and many other self-help books, advice is often given to mastering the ability to say no, to stay focused, to concentrate resources and avoid spreading yourself thin. It's sound advice. But if I may make a suggestion, it's hard to say no to things aligned with our desired lifestyle. Rather than working up the willpower to say no, Ask yourself what roadblocks, time, and resources are required to say yes. But this line of thinking will help you not only see the purpose of a need or want, but what kind of commitment and planning it will require if you choose to pursue it. Number three, avoid social pressures and the false beliefs of having it all. Recently, I read that the average person spends two and a half hours a day on social media. I'm actually thinking it's more. But it's become embedded in our regular routines in terms of communication, engagement, and activities. It also influences our chosen lifestyles. At the same time, from a behavioral perspective, we often like to share what we have obtained and what we have achieved through those social channels. And not what was sacrificed to get there or in its place. There is research out there that states if you share your goals with others, you forge a greater commitment to those goals. I would suggest not to be so quick to share until you focused on those steps we've already mentioned so you are less likely to commit to the needs and wants that really don't fit your lifestyle. Number four, every need and want requires a routine. If any goal especially financially, is a hit and done, perhaps you have revealed an objective that is part of a bigger goal. Just like establishing resolutions, the commitment usually equates to a habit. Just like keeping a tidy home, establishing a lifestyle-sustaining income takes routine efforts and a system to maintain. Number five, don't forfeit your right to choose. Once you start by saying, I need this or I want that, you take away the power to influence your choices. Remember how I mentioned money is either good for buying stuff or making more money with it? It may be better to start with the assumption that what you desire is unessential until you can prove otherwise. Number six, straddle your strategies. Once you've established your life desires, your bucket list, can you find synergies amongst them? For example, going back once again to New Year's resolutions, if you had a desire to lose weight and exercise more, 
Could you not think of routines and forging habits that both commitments complement one another? So if we were to look toward financial wellness, are there activities you could take that are aligned toward meeting more than one purpose? Now, to avoid overload, I'm going to stop here with the tips. These may be enough of a nudge to help you rethink how your emotional desires influence your financial goals and the required lifestyle-sustaining income to fuel them. I hope that this bonus podcast was helpful and hopefully it expanded your mind. But before we go, I want to go back to our children's story, if I may, and our mouse story, which is a circular message, builds on one want after another. You might even say it's a mouse trap or even a human trap. Because how many of us create an overwhelming number of financially committed desires that force us to need even more income to satiate? So I would say the moral, start with needs, not wants. Plan for the unexpected too. And only then should you decide if a cookie is what you really want. And if you do want that cookie, don't pick one that's so dry. It requires a glass of milk. As a copyright reminder, written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional. And make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Fin Wisdom.